Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding here on The Athletic NBA Show. I'm Jared Weiss, Andrew Schlecht is our producer, and today for our writer series we are joined by The Athletic National Writer, Sam Amick. Sam, you opined on something that happened with one of our other reporters. Earlier, it was back in April, I think, this year, where Giannis and our Bucks reporter, Eric Name, had a fascinating interaction that kind of took over the entire industry for a little while. So just tell me what you remember from that moment and why you wrote about it. Well, thank you for having me, Jared. I love this series, and, and I'm humbled that you uh, that you gave me the invite. So this will be fun. Um, so you know, Giannis and the Bucks fall uh, in the playoffs, and you know they they fall in their attempt to uh, to repeat what they did a couple years back and win the NBA championship. Giannis takes the press conference podium uh, and is asked a question by uh, the gentleman who you mentioned, our friend and colleague Eric Name, Bucks beat writer, uh, about whether or not he saw this season as a failure because the Bucks had fallen short. And as everybody, I think most people anyway, listening are probably aware, Giannis gave an incredibly interesting answer that if I had to guess was in the neighborhood of, you know, two and a half minutes, pretty lengthy, thoughtful uh, answer that he even admitted was kind of was, had been sitting in the back of his mind for, you could say at least a year because he'd been asked this question before by Eric uh, and and shared with the world that he didn't like his answer previously and knew that at some point, you know, somebody would ask him this philosophical question again. And, what, you know, to paraphrase his answer, it was that in sports, there is no failure, that it's all part of the journey. Um, you know, if Michael Jordan won six titles in all the years that he played as every other year of a failure and, and Giannis was framing sports really on the whole as a place where, you know, you are winning so long as you grow, so long as you advance, so long as you never give up and you never quit, there's all kinds of life lessons that come from that. I actually thought his answer was just fantastic. Again, bigger than basketball. But a lot of the reaction, I thought, and mostly on social media, was negative. And there was a lot of that sense of, oh, that reporter got owned. And look at the way Giannis, what a stupid question. And there was all this negativity going Eric's way. And really, forget about just Eric as much as I love him. But neg- too much negativity you know, as part of this conversation that I think otherwise should have been really interesting. And one of those, like, who cares what side of the fence you're on? Like, what an interesting question and what a thoughtful response from the athlete, which as reporters, as you know very well, that's the dream, right? Is to get athletes to be honest, candid, open, you know, transparent in the kind of way that Giannis was. So when I saw a lot of the reaction that that just didn't seem, I thought, to kind of properly reflect where the discussion should be, I decided to jump in and, and write about really behind-the-scenes media stuff that I normally would never touch. Um, and we talked about this off-air briefly a moment ago. You know, I'm I'm friends with Eric. Uh, a couple of years back when the one, uh, the Bucks won the title, beat the Suns, and had that whole journey, I was with Eric every single day for a, a pretty lengthy amount of time during the playoffs. Home and road, that's just kind of the playoff life when we cover these teams. And I saw the relationship between Eric and Giannis, and I learned more about how much respect Giannis has for him. And and that was a lot of the nuance I thought was not part of the discussion about the press conference, was that I think Giannis's choice to not get more upset with the question and to be so thoughtful and to share his insight had a lot to do with the respect that he had for Eric. At one point, he even says, you remember, Jared, you know, I don't want to make this personal, but he's he's talking to Eric about his life, you know, 
what is success for you? Is it, you know, helping your parents get a home? Is it paying your bills? He just, this very relatable answer, um, but I thought a lot of that nuance and context uh, needed to be a part of it. And so you started with a text that you got from an executive. Can you just walk us through that scene? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I didn't share, I can't share all the details, but this season, the last season, I guess, I wrote a column that uh, an executive didn't uh, care for about, you know, his team. And this is just par for the course. We are constantly, again, as you know, uh, either getting, you know, praise or criticism based on what we write. But when you write some of the tough stuff, uh, part of the gig is not everybody's going to be happy with you. So <laughs> I write this piece and and I get a text from the executive that essentially says, I, I hope you wrote this column with chat GPT so you didn't waste your time with this drivel. And I'm, you know, not a direct quote, but that's pretty close. I've remembered drivel and chat GPT very specifically. And, and the reason I use this at the top of the honest column was because from that interaction, you know, and beyond working in this industry, in this generation, I feel, uh, especially with things like artificial intelligence, obviously growing at an incredible rate, uh, and, and with people generally, I don't think having, you know, a, a ton or maybe enough respect for actual journalism, real reporters, objectivity, all those things. There was this undercurrent of, of condescension with that text that essentially the message I took from it was, you know, the, the robots are coming. Your jobs eventually in the not so distant future are going to be obsolete. And and I, you know, I, I didn't love the text. Now, to this person's credit, again, without getting into it, um, you know, they later went on to acknowledge it, apologize. And, and, and when I wrote this column, even on the back end, uh, we had a fun little interaction where they did acknowledge that they saw this column and, and joked about how I got my revenge. Uh, so all's well that ends well. But, you know, that anecdote, I thought, you know, kind of touched the spirit of the way people reacted to Eric in the Giannis interaction, where people are so quick to be very uh, dismissive about the reporters who are trying to provide fans with insight coverage. Again, objectivity being a very important part of what we try to do, you know, especially I'm, I'm going to sound like a commercial here, Jared, but a lot of the media entities that cover these different leagues are compromised in a pretty significant way when it comes to partnerships. Uh, and, and every time, you know, you shake that hand when it comes to those partnerships, in my opinion, you then compromise some objectivity. So um, I, I loved what Eric asked. I loved the answer it elicited. Uh, and I had just wished that uh, that the response was a little more up that alley. But at the same time, it did give you a chance to write a really good story and then talk about it months later on this podcast. I appreciate it. It, it was fun to write. I mean, it was, you know, and when you got, you know, I got a lot of nice notes on the column and it was pretty neat uh, again, cause I'm not a media columnist. I'm not Richard Deitch, you know, who does a great job covering the media for the athletic or any of the other people who are in that part of our industry. I don't write about what we do very often. Uh, and so when you get notes from people in the industry saying, thank you for, you know, for sharing some of those views, because beyond the honest interaction, the general idea was that fans should really want these kinds of objective reporters in the space of the athletes like trust us if it's nothing but and no offense to the folks over here but if it's nothing but bucks.com and sons.com and and you know and, and a lot of these entities that where the checks are getting paid by the teams you're not going to get the actual coverage you're not you're not going to really understand what's truly happening with the players and the teams and i think fans should celebrate that from the athletic and beyond uh but you know sometimes they're real quick to uh 
to criticize. Apologies. The dog uh, just saw the mailman here, Jared. <laughs> Classic move. It's funny because there are probably even last year, plenty of times where I've gotten owned and, you know, I turned into a meme or people are making fun of me. And I usually look at that as a good sign that I'm asking the right questions. And most of the time it's because I challenge them. Sometimes my question was just stupid. And I guess oh, sure. you know, people take people. I, I'm sure I asked plenty of those. Yeah, you know, people take bad shots throughout the game. It's like, you know, it's part of the job. I but. love the humility, though. You're so quick to say, I'm sure I asked them. That is important. And I still have to work on that. Like. It's okay to admit that not every question you ask is great. You know, even yesterday, this relates, uh, friend and colleague Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo Sports had asked NBA Commissioner Adam Silver a, a couple of very relevant questions at the Board of Governors meeting. And I noticed a lot of the replies on X, as we now call it, um, regarding his question on the Knicks. So not to get too far afield, but Leon Rose, you know, head of the Knicks front office, doesn't do any media. Vinny asked Adam, if there was a, any accountability that the Knicks needed to kind of answer for with Leon not speaking to the fans, not speaking to the media. A lot of the replies were folks just going after Vinny. You know, we don't care. Why are you hung up on this? Just killing Vinny. And I'm, I'm a little bit like the Eric and Giannis thing. I'm reading all these replies going, don't you guys get it? Like the reason he wants to talk to Leon is so you can get better perspective on why they're building the team the way they are and why it's either working or not working. But uh, you know, more often than not, that part seems to be lost on folks. That kind of ties into the chat GPT aspect of this is trying to understand what's the difference between a reporter and a what eventually will probably be a good enough chatbot that it can write just as well. And it's that we give access at this point. Who knows? Maybe right. maybe Giannis will want to talk to a chatbot to leak all of his information and tell his story in the future. But like even with the rise of the Players Tribune and this whole new media thing and Draymond Green becoming a podcaster, all these guys becoming podcasters, it's like the journalists, one, know how to pull a certain type of story for sure. We've seen like a lot of these po player podcasters are able to get players open up because of the whole kind of mutual respect factor. But the conversation doesn't always elicit the kind of storytelling that the fan would want. But, it, you know, there's pluses and minuses to both sides. But at the end of the day, having somebody that is both independent and can utilize actual human social relationships to tell a certain story or to hold a certain level of accountability. That's like a, it's not that it's drastically different than what would happen if we just kind of removed independent media, but it's kind of crossing that line from being subjective and objective. It's even though it seems small, it is a massive difference. And it's kind of an important part of getting a complete picture to mesh with the like broadcast coverage. That's going to be a lot more, down the middle and friendly to everybody. Couldn't agree more. Uh, ironically or, or fittingly, you know, today it was highlighted to me that that uh, the chairman of the New York Times, A.G. Solzberger, had actually written a 12,000 word essay a couple months back on independence in media and the importance of it. And a pretty powerful message about, you know, why it is everything in the climate and the context that you're talking about, whether it's AI or just the internet the nature of the internet in general, more than ever, the point that he was making in part was that it's going to be harder and harder to figure out, you know, where the the reliable, accurate, objective information is versus the junk, for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah, between the, the kind of social media feeding of creating content that is easy to consume, is digestible to the masses, that's polarizing, having the editorial standard to be able to kind of avoid falling into those traps and create stuff that's both accurate and actually layered. And just the fact that if we 
take away independent media, it means that the sources of the information get to have full control over what information gets out there. No questions. Yeah. And they're you know, just gonna, and I know we're not highlighting this story too much, but you know, this past season, another one that comes to mind is LeBron and I had a conversation mid season about how he was looking at the trade deadline and the Lakers struggles at the time. You know, it was a walk and talk one-on-one uh, post press conference where he shared a few honest thoughts about how the, the Lakers had been building their roster. And on the back end of that, of course he jumped on, uh, it was still Twitter at the time. And, uh, and, and, you know, tried to, he pushed back and then tried to clarify what he had told me in our interview. But the, the reality is in that exchange is that, you know, that discussion that's coming with a question that is not sanitized, not approved by a team, approved by a PR person. It's, it's, you know, an objective reporter question about, you know, how do you see this? How do you see that? You got, I truly believe and strongly believe you got real honesty and truth and how he saw things at the time, even maybe more than he cared to share and realize that on the back end when he saw it in print. Um, but that's part of what we do is to not just have, uh, you know, the, these kind of humdrum press conferences where you don't learn anything. That's the the part I've always struggled with, with press conferences and interviews and just, I, I see this more in like political reporting, but the whole, like you were on the record, it, it, you said it, so it has to be on the record now. And I guess having maybe flexibility about on the record versus off the record things. But when you're talking in real life and you're asked a difficult question, you have to answer it immediately. It's really hard to say exactly what you want to say. Sometimes your instinctive reaction might not be what you actually truly feel when you have a moment to think about it. And so I guess as someone that's been around long enough to, while you're still a very young, handsome man, has been around long enough to see the evolution (laughs) of the way coverage has drastically changed over the last like 10 to 15 years. How do you feel the, how do you feel people in the spotlight are talking nowadays if it's different and the way that we hold people accountable to, or I guess hold people to their initial word, does that have to change considering the way that like quotes disseminate so rapidly now and also get kind of cut apart and taken out of context a lot of the time? Yeah. I think partly what you're hitting on is, is is the question on the media side is do you empathize with how challenging it is for the people being covered? The answer is I do. And I, you know, I think we all got to continue to find solutions there because I, I can't imagine I've had a handful of experiences where I got interviewed for something, you know, it came out and, and the shoe was on the other foot, right. Where I saw something I said, and it wasn't exactly how I remembered it. Um, I do kind of know what that feels like. You know, um, you probably deal with this. A lot of times we'll do interviews with sports radio stations and you'll just jump on and talk shop and next thing you know, you look at social media and they're highlighting like absolutely the most controversial thing that you said, even if you didn't intend to be controversial. Mm-hmm. These athletes are dealing with that every single day. And social media means that that nothing gets, you know, lost in the shuffle. Everything, you know, if it's compelling, if it's interesting, if it is, you know, and let's be honest, if it is controversial, it gets highlighted. So um that's why you see the reticence from a lot of the athletes. That's why, you know. I guess to take it back to Eric and Giannis, that's why relationships like that are, are I think, so neat and, and so unique is that you have trust um, built up over years where, you know, Giannis has not had a lot of moments. I think I'm confident in saying this, where he saw something Eric wrote and said, man, he really tried to get me there. I, it's just not how Eric has covered him. Um, and, and that goes back to the value of us being you know, given you know, given the access to be around these athletes and to to try to provide what I think is a, a pretty unique service for the fans. 
Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. So that brings us to what probably is the most important report of your entire career. And <laughs> that's, that's a very sad statement. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what happened uh, during the NBA finals. Probably the most important thing to happen on the court in game four. My goodness. Yeah. So game four of the NBA finals, um, I had not been as a, a quick aside, I hadn't been in Miami since the end of the Heatles. And so I, I'm, I'm in Miami and I'm enjoying kind of being back in the city again. And then, so yeah, game four, Jared comes to an end. The The Nuggets win 108-95. Um, it's interesting at the time, I had no idea, but right after the game, I'm running to go do what we do and get to press conferences and locker room availability. Uh, and on the way, the incredibly famous fighter, MMA superstar Conor McGregor uh, was leaving the arena. I saw him leaving with his whole group about 20 minutes after the game. So in the third quarter, Conor McGregor, who to my knowledge, and I think this is 100% accurate, doesn't really have any real ties to the Miami Heat. He's not, I don't think, a you know a fan favorite. I don't think he's a guy that, that they're used to highlighting in that neck of the woods, but he comes out and has a promotion to uh, pump his pain relief spray. Uh, and he gets out there with Bernie, the heat mascot, and essentially they're going to pretend that they're fighting. And it, it appears that the bit is supposed to be that Connor, you know, gives Bernie, you know, kind of a, a, a fake Hollywood punch, no big deal. Bernie goes down and then Connor is going to spray him with that spray because pain relief. Hey, there you go. There's the bit, but it's up on the jumbotron. And when he goes to deliver the punch and I was not sitting close to the floor, as you know, in the finals seating's pretty challenging. I'm pretty far away, but I'm watching intently both on the screen and, and down on the floor. And in real time, like it 100, I don't know how it hit you, but 100%. Uh, my first thought was, wow, that did not look fake. Like he absolutely swung on him. Bernie hit the deck pretty hard. And then, for good measure or bad measure, I suppose, when Bernie's down on the floor, Connor gives him one more just right in the in the face, and he's obviously wearing a costume, but you know those things aren't that thick. So people were talking about it that night that this was kind of crazy. Like you know, there's no way that was completely scripted. You know, part of the plan. And essentially, again, for lack of a better way of putting it, it was like what an asshole. And that was kind of how people were reacting to it. 
Um, it's fast a normal forward. reaction with him. <laughs> what, what was that? It's a normal reaction for Conor McGregor. Yeah, no doubt. And and listen, you know, and the stuff that that you know later was alleged that night is 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 fairly unspeakable, and and we don't know where that case is going to go. But for the purposes of this part of that evening, uh, folks were focused on that fight, and it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so fast forward to the next day. One of the uh, my favorite parts of NBA Finals coverage is that um, there is an NBA media charter plane that we pay for, but it, if you want to, uh, you have the option to fly in between the two cities um, on a plane uh, that is you know, essentially commissioned by the NBA through Delta. And uh, I have done it for years and years and years. I find it to be way more convenient than trucking in the airport. Uh, Cost-wise, it's pretty similar. And more importantly, and I've argued this even before the athletic, the you know USA Today, to their credit, you know, green-lighted me doing this because of the value. You get on this plane, and a lot of times you are surrounded by NBA people. And so for reporting purposes and for relationship purposes, and this kind of dovetails into the Giannis discussion a little bit, like we are constantly trying to to have you know as much engagement with people of influence within the NBA as possible. So on this plane, there's been years where you know, you were a couple rows away from Kiki Vandeweghe, who, you know, was the longtime disciplinarian of the NBA and former NBA player. Um, you know, high-ranking people within the league are often on this plane. Um, a lot of PR people, a lot of staffers. But bottom line, there is a value in being around this crowd. So um, the part I can share, because obviously we don't ever share our sources or, or completely pull the curtain back on where we got stuff. But I think, you know, this part I don't mind sharing is I'm on that flight. And as we're getting ready to go, uh, we're all sitting in this room. And obviously, this is outside of Miami at the Miami airport in a, a private wing. Um, the plane wasn't ready yet. And there's just chatter all around. People are waiting to grab their bags and get on the plane. And in casual conversation, I happened to overhear some chatter about Connor and the fact that uh, that when he hit Bernie, that it was not only not scripted, but Bernie had gone to the hospital and that he was actually pretty you know, seriously hurt. Now, before listeners make a faulty assumption, because again, we all know that everybody's skeptical of reporters, I've had people ask me, well, that's not just, that wasn't enough to report it, right? Well, of course not. That's just, that's just now something's on your radar. Now, the question becomes, wow, that's that's interesting. It's not the normal type of thing that I cover. I usually just stick to actual NBA figures, not MMA fighters and mascots, but it's the finals and and it's a high profile type of thing. So I decide to, to basically check with people both on the ground there and then people remotely, you know, via text and email and start digging in to see, uh, you know, if, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, wasn't able to get to it right away on the ground, had no luck. We eventually get on the plane now I'm dealing with just Wi-Fi. I'm up in the air. I'm 30,000 feet. Um, I'm exchanging notes. Again, I think this is fine to share with our esteemed NBA editor, who, by the way, congrats, got a fantastic, well-deserved promotion recently, Sergio Gonzalez. Sergio and I are going back and forth talking about this story. I tell him what I heard. I tell him I'm trying to confirm it. But the the most comical part to me that I'll always remember is that from a journalistic standpoint, I'm asking Sergio, like, Sergio, am I really going to report this? Like, is this a story? You know what I mean? Like, we got MMA guy hits mascot. None of these guys are named LeBron. This is not my beat. But, I mean, it is interesting. And to his credit, 
he was like, yes, absolutely. Like this is the NBA finals. Um, if you can confirm it, then we're going to go with it. So not too long after was able to get confirmation, you know, very rock solid concrete confirmation. And if you saw the little grin on my face, as I'm writing this newser, it's just because of the the silliness of it all at the time. And not to make light at all of, you know, the man who plays Bernie's, you know, medical situation. Cause the more we learn later, you know, he was laid out pretty good, but just kind of the absurdity of, of the nature of this news story. So I'm putting it together and Jared, I mean, I'm looking at that screen like, man, how do I, what is my lead? Like, how am I <laughs> like, so short and sweet. Um, I forget how many words it was, maybe 150. It wasn't a very long story. Now, story is ready to rock, story's getting published, and now comes the social media part that we always deal with, right? The other memory I have is me letting Sergio know that I this was so unconventional for me that I didn't really know how I wanted to share the story on Twitter. And I actually thought for a moment to be somewhat light with it, like, you know, some qualifier, like not my normal type of news, but FYI, this happened. His advice was just play it straight. Just, you know, source, here's what happened. Um, you know, and, and I've been lucky enough to have a, a lot of these type of stories over the years, but in terms of just absolute uh, kind of social media explosion effect or component, this was up there. I mean, I I tweeted out and and he was the one who had said, trust me, I think you're under, you know, underestimating how big of a star Connor is. And then also the incredibly passionate mascot community, you know, like Zach Lowe of ESPN is, cornered the market on mascot stuff and, and, and kind of showing the world that people love anything mascot related. So I share it story goes nuts. Um, you know, it, it obviously ends up getting a ton of eyeballs and, uh, and easily just one of the, the most unique news breaks I've ever had. You know, playing it straight is the right call because I'm a big fan of trying to you know, less is more, especially with humor. And when something is so absurd like that, it's such a ridiculous thing to report. It's already hilarious. You don't need to make the point. Well, and just to your playing point, it straight is going to make it funny. That's the thing. I think if I had qualified it, I would have missed out on the chance to enjoy all the humor that came my way with the reaction because me playing it straight immediately led to just a flood of tweets where it was like, because I didn't acknowledge the silliness factor at all. Then that was what people, they just, you know, they would retweet it with either eyes open emoji or just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what what world is this where, you know, this is what we're reading about? But uh, yeah, it was it was a little different, buddy. Well, this is how breaking the big news during the NBA finals works, <laughs> folks. Uh, honestly, it's probably the most memorable thing from that finals. It's uh, I mean, there's a lot of great work done during that series, but that's the thing that sticks out the most. Well, and it is. I mean, shoot, this is. You know, I mean, they're both serious stories, but it reminds me of even earlier in the playoffs. You know, I was covering Kings Warriors, um, you know, and, and you had the controversy uh, where E40 got ejected from his front row seat. You know, like when you get to the playoffs, there is a call it a pop culture component or, you know, it's just the, the magnitude of the stage and the people who come to see these games as a reporter. I think you do have to broaden your lens a little bit in terms of what you're looking at because, you know, you're not talking about a, a regular season game in December. All right. Well, he's the best. His name is Sam Amick, covers the NBA for us here at The Athletic. Andrew Schlecht is our producer, and I'm Jared Weiss, and we will see you next time on The Dig. Thank you, Jared. Ding, ding.
Thank you, sir.